You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. Um, this morning we had just the perfect storm of, of events. As some of you know, we had a few technical glitches and so forth. And, um, and then we had what we pray for every week. And, and that is, did you know there's a round, and um, I'm not really a numbers guy, and I... I know you know that I'm rounding something up or down, but 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 Sam is better at this sort of stuff. And but but there's around 550 people who call Eltham Baptist Church home, and um, um, and that's that's been growing and it continues to grow. Thus a little bit of our our video there. But our our prayer is that you wouldn't have to do shifts in uh, in attending, you know, on a, on a Sunday morning. And, um, and so even though it was crowded uh, today, even though there were people standing in the foyer, even though uh, they're crowded, do you know what? Jeepney mentality. There is always room for one more. Absolutely. Always. Always. And so um, it really is. The problem is we've been praying. Uh, that's, that's where it all started, folks. You should have, you should have known. Um, but, you know, there's been half a dozen church plants in the, in the northeastern region. The good news is that God's kingdom is growing and, and it can't keep up. Um, people are looking for answers. People are looking for God. People are looking to join a church. And if you have a sense of belonging here and you feel like, I like this place, this is home, then, then I... I get this sense in which we've got to give that to somebody else as well, huh? What if there's just one Christian, just one Christian somewhere in our region, in our locality, who can't yet say that? They don't have a church, a local expression of God's church that they can call family, that they can call home, that they feel they belong to. When they rock up, they feel like, I'm known here, and I'm loved here, and I have a place of belonging. And if there's just one, then we've got to make more room. Um, and I guess that is perhaps what has um, really just been building in me for some time and what I wanted to, to share with you a little bit this morning, and that is a, a vision to, to grow. Dr. Alan Meyer, who was pastoring at uh, what was Mount Evelyn Christian Fellowship and later on Care Force um, over in the east there, we took some classes together, some doctoral classes together on one occasion. I got to know him. Funny man. But uh, he was talking at a, at a pastor's conference on one occasion about, about the, the pressure to come up with a vision. And he said, you know, looking back at all of my, my years, you know, some people would earnestly come up to you and say, uh, Alan, where are we going? And he looked and said, oh, we're not going anywhere, we're just going to stay here. He said, no, 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 I don't mean where, where are we going, I mean, I mean, where are we going? We're going to stay here. We, we, we're not going anywhere. No, 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 no. Where are we going? You know, ultimately. Oh. Well, brother, that's heaven. <laughs> we're going to heaven. No. But then, how do we get there? Well, we'll die. Or we'll get raptured. But we'll get there. But don't, 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 don't stress the details. And he said, no, no, I mean, what's, what's our vision? But that's it, what's our vision? You know, well, love God and, and go to heaven. <laughs> Take as many with us as we can. 
And I guess in that little conversation, um, he captured that moment for me in which, you know, I, I, I think we're constrained somewhat in terms of elaborate visions and so forth to keep ourselves very, very tight to Scripture. Which is why I love, I love our, our vision statement here at, at EBC, um, which is based on John 15, 8, um, where Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Verses 1 to 7 in John 15 talk about the essence and nature of discipleship. The key word there is abiding. So, so our vision, if you like, is tied very much to that. And that is, as, as abiding disciples, <coughs> passionate disciples of Jesus Christ, we want, we desire to live fruitful lives so, so that God is seen for who he really is. He, he, gets, he gets the glory. Um, in terms of, and we, this is a little bit of a presentation we'd like to present to you in 2017. In fact, we haven't even shown church council this. Uh, I mean, they, they know it. They just haven't seen it with the pretty colours and so forth. But, but um, how does this work? Well, we've got, the, we've got the vision. That's the thing that we exist for. And, and then, then there's an implementation process. And that is the, the, church, the church body. That's, that's you. It's all the members of EBC. Um, you appoint uh, church council. Um, that, that, that eldership team to kind of oversee the ministry and 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 then they um, choose a choose a lead pastor. They did that I, I think it's some eight years ago. Um, they first approached me at, and uh, and then I I have the, the joy of building a team around me, a pastoral team around me to, to implement that vision. How do we do that? What's the strategy? Well the strategy is is a very, very simple one in some respects. We we make disciples. That's what we do. That's what we do at church. That's what pastors do. We, we, actually, we actually try to create as many disciple-making initiatives as we can so that we continue to be made as disciples of Jesus Christ, really concentrating on this whole, whole thing about, about abiding. We, we make disciples. That's, that's our job. Um, and that's what we're really tasked to do. Now, what happens? Well... Well, when you make disciples, it, it, it actually ends up in, in fruitful lives. Fruit, the inevitable result of abiding. It, it, it results in fruitful lives, and those fruitful lives bring God glory. And that glory is, is manifest here in, in, our, in our little gathering right here, where we are living lives of love and devotion to one another. Um, they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another, Jesus said. So as we actually build community, actually, as we look after each other and care for one another, as we love each other, as we, as we are united and, and, oh, let me do it anyway. I did my head in yesterday. I was looking at John chapter 17. I was looking at Jesus' high priestly prayer where he ties this incredible thought together, that the unity that the Father and the Son share together well, 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 that is a part of their glory, and their glory is in us. And how will the world know that their glory is in us, the glory of the Trinity in us? How will the world know? Because we demonstrate the same unity as the Father and the Son demonstrate. See why it does your head in? Isn't that amazing? That our love and our devotion for one another, the way we get along together, our unity actually is, is a mirror reflection of the unity of the Trinity. And that proves that the glory of God is amongst us and in us. 
And then the world will know that we are truly his disciples because there's no other explanation for it, is there? If you just think about it, we have the perfect storm here. We have different nationalities. We have different personalities. We have different genders. We have different social standing. We have different jobs. There is no way that a group of people like us should ever get along together. But we are exhibit A that there is a God. It's a miracle. Now we might look for many things as a miracle, but you know the unity within God's body is a stunning miracle. And it's one of the few that Satan won't mimic. He can't. He's trying. He's trying to unite nations and things. It's not working. <laughs> he doesn't want it to work. But the unity of the church is an amazing, amazing miracle. And it proves that the glory of God lives in you and it lives in me because there's no other explanation for the fact that we can actually get along together. I know this is where we say, oh, well, come on, you're a nice person. But it's not enough, is it? Even on my best day, I'm not nice enough. Either are you. But anyway, it's a miracle. And it shows that there has to be another explanation, and the explanation is the glory of God. So, so that, that glory, the fruit of our lives, which is bringing God glory, firstly, is manifest in our midst, our devotion to one another. And then, beyond that, to our, to our locality, around Alpha, where there are people, as I say, who still don't know Jesus, but gee, they're looking for answers. Bron met somebody this week. She said... A lovely, astute, brilliant lady. And she just kept thinking in the back of her mind as she was as she was talking with her, oh you would love my God. If only, if only you were able. Maybe that day will come. Sure, Brian will pray towards that end. Um in our local region, there are people looking for answers, they are looking for God. They need him. They need what you and I have found. Desperately. And there are no other answers. We can, we can offer many, many things, but, but at the heart of it, we're offering Jesus, aren't we? Isn't that it? And then beyond there in our region, I know many of you don't, don't necessarily live locally, you don't work locally, you're all over the place. And, and in every place that you are, Jesus present in you is, is being glorified. And the end result is, as he is glorified, people are one to him. And then, of course, we're not even content with that. We want to take this thing globally as well. We want to be a, a church like the church in Antioch, a church without borders that just, just couldn't restrain itself, sending out Paul, sending out Barnabas. Had an incredible impact on the world. Who was this little church? Notable in no other way except for their worship in Acts chapter 13. And they're sending of people out to go and to glorify God, to bring God glory. You see, the glory of God is an end in and of itself. It really is. However, it's bigger than that too. Because it's not just an end in itself. Whenever God gets glorified, it brings renewal. That's, it. that's, that's what happens. One day ultimately, like I said last week, one day ultimately, we are, we are all going to... We're all going to cross that threshold into eternity and, and there we are going to, to be in the presence of God and we are going to see him for who he really is. In all of his glory, in all of his splendor, it is going to be amazing. 
It really is. It's going to be thrilling. And in that moment, we will become like him, for we will see him as he really is. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that moment. Can you? Oh, let it be. Then I really will be a nice person. And you will too. And that moment we will be like him because we will see him as he really is. is, That's our great hope. That's what we live for. You see, it brings renewal. But even now, glimpses of glory, a glimpse of glory here, a glimpse of glory there, a glimpse of glory over here. Wherever we get a glimpse of glory, guess what happens? God is seen for who he really is and it brings renewal. Somebody who doesn't know Jesus gets a glimpse of God and it brings renewal. They get a glimpse of something that they want, something that they're hungry for, something that they know they've denied all of their life, but suddenly I'm in tune with this and I want to know more. That's what our... That's what our task is. and So if I was to break down our, our, our little vision of the church, um, I'll, I'll probably do it this way. I'll leave you with three pictures. Firstly, there's a, there's a picture of... Um, oh, sorry, this is, this is our structure. Some of you have seen the W, and, and, um, and basically we talk about support ministries and governance, which help um, uh, support discipling ministries and then reach out local, global, and of course... To what, as we minister to one another. And if you wanted to understand, you know, structure, once you've got a strategy in place, you have to put a structure around it. Or if you turn the W on its side, then that's how it sort of fits into the implementation strategy and desired outcomes there. Um, but let me, let me leave you with these, these three pictures this morning. This is a banquet. Actually, Queen Elizabeth is here somewhere. It's a wedding banquet. Um, actually, no, I don't think this one was. But pretend it is. Um, and... And, and, a, and a wedding banquet. I want you to want to picture a, a vast banquet in uh, Revelation chapter chapter nineteen. John, in his vision, he sees this banquet. It's it's the the wedding banquet that we're going to be attending. We're going to be attending. Do you know why we're going to be attending? Because we're the bride. That's why we're going to be there. You see, <laughs> we're the bride. We're described as the bride of Christ, and we're going to be married to the to the groom. It's, a, it's an image, of course, but, but it's an intimate in, image, and, it, and it's a celebration banquet. And, and you know the theme song at this banquet? Glory, 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 glory to God, glory, 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 more and more glory. That's the theme song. It's going to be an amazing banquet, a spectacular banquet. And the incredible, the incredible thing is that then every seat has to be filled. Now we might, we might say sometimes, oh boy, Lord, why don't you come back now? You see, God's not slow as, as some of us understand it, but, but he's actually patient because his desire is that no one will perish. Every seat at that banquet has to be filled. It's going to be a marvelous banquet. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. There's already a place that is set for you right now. And sometimes I think we forget this. We can, we can be so caught up in the things of this world, we can think we're at the banquet. This is not the banquet. We're just in the foyer. And sometimes the pressure of life and so forth, it's, it's like we forget that there is actually a banquet behind those big doors, behind that threshold. We forget that a banquet actually awaits us and that's the thing that we have been purposed for and destined for. And here we are in the foyer sort of, you know, gorging ourselves on hors d'oeuvres, forgetting the fact that, no, the real banquet actually waits. This is just... This is just the foil. What are we doing here? Why is, 
Why is God waiting? Because he's patient. Because his desire, his passion is that none should perish. So what do we do while we're in the foyer? Well, it's okay. You've, you've got a number. You've, you're, you're safe. You're going to get through that door. There's a place that's waiting for you. And God won't start the banquet until everybody is in their place. So you can actually take some of those invitations. And you can actually go out and spread them out. In Matthew chapter 22, there's another picture of a banquet. And in this particular picture, Jesus is, 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 is talking again about a banquet. But on this occasion, at this banquet... Apparently many who should have known that they were invited reject his invitation and just too busy, I'm sorry, no, caught up in the things of this world. Many reject his invitation and in the end he sends more servants and they don't just reject the invitation, they kill his servants. Well, he's kind of angry about that. And after sending his army in to deal with that situation, he says to get more servants, he says, okay, now go out into the streets, wherever you can, and invite everyone to my banquet. This is, this is not just for some, some select elite few. This is for the, Jesus actually says, the good and the bad. Don't go looking for the people that you think deserve to be at the banquet. Everyone gets invited to my banquet, the good and the bad. So now go. Go and find them and invite them to, to come. Now, does that mean, you know, anyone gets into heaven, some sort of, you know, universalist, you know, sentiment or something? No, no, not at all, not at all. In, in fact, uh, Jesus goes on to, to talk about the very fact that one person there didn't, didn't uh, take advantage of the special wedding clothes that a king would, would provide at such a banquet. And he just kind of turned up, you know, in his, in his old stuff, and the king actually throws him out. No, you still need to be dressed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But the point is, everybody gets an invite. Isn't that cool? With the good and the bad, everybody gets an invite. So what are we doing in the foyer? Well, we're getting invites. <laughs> and we're, we're kind of getting glimpses of what's going on inside there. We think that is a mighty big banquet hall. There is room for more people. Let's go. And so we want to make sure that, that on that day, going back to the... So the Revelation vision of a banquet, we want to make sure that there is no seats that are spare and there's no invitations that got left in our pockets. That's, that's the deal. So we're, we've got invitations every day. Or you, you can't think that I didn't pick any up. It's all right, Jesus gives them to you. Every day he gives you invitations to, to invite people to be a part of that banquet. To invite people to... To enter into the very destiny to be a child of God that they were created for. Every day. Every day. Do you believe that? Now, some of us I know. I have days where it's hard to see that. Where was my invitation today? Well, I, don't, I don't really feel like I've had much of an impact. But as I prayed, you know what? Inevitably God gives me someone to pray for. Somebody to encourage. Or, or a word that can be said. And it's not always you know, taking a person from a... From a Hey, did you know I'm a Christian and you should be one too? And it's not always taking them through some sort of scriptural outline. Sometimes it's just loving. Sometimes it's building the relationship. Sometimes it's just blessing people. Sometimes it's praying for them. It can be many, many things. But, but in those moments, I'm handing out invites. Just handing out invites. Sometimes they might not even know that I've been shooting up a prayer for them while they've been sitting at the other side of the cafe. But, but God just brought them to my attention and I do. Sometimes they're in the other, the other side of the world. And God brings them to my attention and I just pray for them. 
And I believe that that's, that's just as effective as my most compelling conversation. Because my most compelling conversation, if the Spirit of God is in it, is ineffective. So the first picture we have is a, that of a banquet, and it's all about the glory of God. And at that banquet, the theme song is glory, 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 more and more glory. That's the theme song. We want more and more people to see it. Everything that they've craved, everything that they long for, everything that they think can answer the deepest needs in their life, it's caught up there in the glory of God. We want that banquet hall full. There's got to be more glory. More glory. One of the ways that God loves to give out his invitations is by letter. And Paul in Corinthians actually calls the Corinthian church, he says, you are my letter. Sometimes letters and being a letter or an invitation is an image of how God wants to do it. He wants to use you and I as his, his letters of invitation to, to people all around the world. As, as a letter, perhaps the second picture I want us to think of is a vineyard. Fruitfulness. What sort of letter are we? What would be written on the letter, the invitation of our lives to, to people to, to come and, and, and be at that banquet and to share in the glory of God? Well, a fruitful life. Fruit. And more fruit. In John 15, um, we read firstly about the fact that the Father wants to produce fruit, then he says more fruit, and then he says much fruit. There should be an abundance of fruit. And how do you, this is the good bit, how do you get fruit? How do you get more fruit? I've got this um, scraggly old tree in the backyard. I don't know what, it, what it's called. It's just a scraggly old tree. And um, it's just got lots of, in, in the middle, it's just got lots of dead branches everywhere. And um, it, a number of things converged that, that have helped this tree. Walking through Aldi, um, there was a special, so I wanted to see what was on special. Guys, it was this chainsaw on an extendable pole. How cool is that? So if you kind of feel like, well, hold on, that thing too close to me. An extendable pole. How cool, huh? So because it was reduced and I knew that that, that would, that, that equals permission in my uh, household. It was, it was reduced, and so I got this chainsaw and an extendable pole, and, and, and I wanted to use it. And I was looking at the scraggly tree, and it just seemed like all the, the fate, everything was coming together. Scraggly tree, chainsaw, extendable pole. I could see it. And, and so, so I was able to extend the pole. Look, no injuries. I, I'm still here today. No, extend the pole and, and take to this, this thing, and... And it was fantastic. We got, we got rid of all of, the, all of the old stuff, all of that dead stuff that was so hard to kind of get into around the corner, just, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. It was amazing. Um, if you want any hedge trimming done, come and see me. Um, I will get rid of your hedge. So, so this, this, this tree, scraggly old tree, is just taken back down to the basics now, but already... Um, spring, doing, doing the thing that spring does, already new growth is coming from places that we have never seen on this scraggly old tree. I'm tempted to go back, but I'm not sure that you're supposed to. Um, but pruning, how do you get more fruit? Pruning. 
If we want to have, have fruitful lives, then we, we need to allow a bit of a pruning process to go on in our lives. It's, it's the, nature of, the nature of discipleship, the nature of teaching, discipline, to be trained in a particular pattern, the pattern of Jesus Christ. And, and if we want more, more fruit, then we have to undergo pruning. And, and, and by that, it simply means just look at your life as a whole and, and just ask yourself a very, very simple question. What would hold me back from following after Jesus with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind and strength? What is it in my life that holds me back from, from loving him in this way and following him wholeheartedly? And prune it off. That is so simple, huh? <laughs> I wish. But it is look at your life and just find what are those, what are the dead bits in my life that are holding me back from following God with a whole heart? What are the dead bits in my life that that restrain me or somehow are constraining my Christian walk to such an extent that I cannot testify? That I am loving the Lord my God with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength. And cut them off. Now I know that doesn't sound like a very joyous thing to do, does it? But, but that's the nature of pruning. It's, it's keeping the big picture in mind. It's, it's remembering once those things are cut off, though, good things happen. There can be an abundance of fruit. But let's face it. All of us have had moments where in our particular life there are... There are dead scraggly bits. There are aspects to our life that serve no purpose and do not really bear fruit. It could be time wasting, it could be wasted opportunities, whatever it might be, but, but there's always those areas. Well, don't stress about it. Cut them off. How do you do that? Well, practically speaking, you get on your knees and you say Jesus it's all yours the scraggly bits of my life the bits that are dead the bits that aren't producing fruit the wasted opportunities the wasted time the whatever it might be Lord the, the things that have got in the way of you the distractions, whatever it might be, Lord, out of your mercy and because I want more fruit and I want more glory for you, show me how these things can be cut off. I give you permission to prove because I'm yours. If you are not Lord of all, you're not Lord at all, but you are my Lord. So have you all. Amen. It's not complicated. You rely upon, you depend upon the power of Jesus Christ to do something that you could never do. That's the good news. Again, you don't have to sweat this. Just invite his pruning. Just prove me, Lord. Prove me. And it will. And it will produce more fruit. More glory. We want more glory. At the banquet. And we want more fruit. In the video. 
And then here's the last picture. It's a picture of a river. In Revelation chapter 22, it's a continuance of that theme of those that end time. There's a continuance of that theme where, where God is, the victory is won and his, the harvest is coming in and his people are gathering and there's, there's good things happening. And one of the pictures that he uses, and it goes all the way back to a picture actually found in the Garden of Eden, and again in Ezekiel, but one of the pictures is from the very, very throne of God is this river, this stream coming out from the throne of God, and it gives life-giving water. And here is an invitation to abide. The picture of the river is an invitation to abide. Remember, fruit is the inevitable result of abiding. It's part of how God wants to prune you. He will, as you abide in Him, as you enter into the river of life, He will show you what needs to be pruned, and He Himself, by His Spirit, will, will help that work along. In Ezekiel 47, um, the picture there of the, of the river coming out from the throne of God is a beautiful one where where Ezekiel is, is invited to, to actually step into the river, ankle deep. And then he's invited to go further. He's measured, you know, cubits down the, down the river there. He's measured to, to walk downstream and to enter in until he's knee-deep in the water. And then that's not enough either. He's invited more and he's invited to, to come down until he's waist-deep in the water. And then... You can imagine he's feeling a little vulnerable, waist deep in this beautiful stream, and yet he's invited to go further again. To that depth in the river which no person could cross, but to, but to go and, and to be enveloped by this amazing river, this amazing stream. And in our abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, there's an invitation. How much do you want to abide? Do you want to abide in him just ankle deep? Or are you ready for more? Are you ready to, to develop that abiding relationship with him so that you are now knee deep? If you could picture a group of disciples, have you always seen yourself a little bit on the outside, not, not one of the closer disciples right near Jesus, but on the outside, is it time to press in? Is it even time to go waist deep? Is it time to take your abiding relationship with Jesus Christ a step further? <coughs> is it perhaps time to even plunge in and go all the way? And just say that if, if this is really the secret, if this is really what it is all about, if, if Stuart's not half crazy, and just a little bit of what he preaches from week to week is based on Scripture, and if it's true about John 15, if Jesus' words are true, and if abiding just really does seem to be the crux of it all, that's where it all happens. That's where lives get transformed. That's what produces fruit. That's what gives God glory. If... If, 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 if this is just a little bit true, is it worth that step of faith and plunging a wall in and saying, God, have more of me? 
And I can't answer that question for you except to encourage you with everything in me that on that one I would die for. I believe that with all of my heart. And it's why, it's why I am excited about our vision as a church to, to be a people that abide in Him, <laughs> live fruitful lives to the glory of God, are diving into the river, a vineyard of an abundant harvest of fruit, all for the glory of God that more and more people will be sitting at that banquet table, seeing him as he really is. Um, some of you know um, a dear friend of mine who passed away some years ago, Kenny Gang. He is a Singaporean. He came and spoke at our church. and uh, We served together on the MV Doulos. And, and I remember, I've known Kenny for some time, before I knew about his testimony, how he, he came to salvation. And, and on one occasion, somebody said, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know he um, broke out of a, of a prison in, in um, Bangkok, don't you? And I said, no. And he, he said, yeah, you should ask him about it sometime. So I asked him. And, well, before he, before he got saved, he, he grew up in Singapore. He got into the wrong... Amongst the wrong crowd, he, he started to, to deal drugs. He started to become a serious trafficker of drugs. And going into to Thailand, which was probably a bad idea. I mean, the whole thing was a bad idea, but in particular, that was a bad idea. Um, he, was, he was arrested, and, um, and actually, the truth is that, that he was arrested for the wrong thing. Um, he, he got his, his, his name got mixed up. And uh, he, he was guilty of a lot of things, but he just didn't happen to be guilty of, of this particular charge. And, uh, and, and so he was there in a, in, in a cell with, a, I think it was a German, and, and they, um, um, they, they basically didn't feel that they had much hope of survival if they stayed in this prison. The, the place was, he described it as a hellhole. And uh, so an opportunity um, came for them to escape on one occasion, and so, and so he took off. And, and uh, by the grace of by the grace of God, he got out of that place, and and that dramatically impacted him. And it's an incredible story of him racing racing across um, uh, Thailand and, and trying to trying to get out uh, and choosing his border and, and so forth. He got back to Singapore, but he was all of a sudden confronted with the sort of lifestyle that he was living, and God. God met him in that moment, and he became beautifully saved. And when he was here for one of the last occasions to, to speak, I said, So Kenny, the cancer's got a, got a hold of you, and we don't know how long, do we? We know you will die, and, and listen, God may miraculously heal, I believe he could, but he may choose not to heal you here and now, but to give you that ultimate, beautiful healing that is assuredly yours in heaven. I don't know. But one day there will be a funeral, presumably. What would you like preached at your funeral? What's the one thing that you want people to know about? And of course, he'd been walking with the Lord now for... 30, 30 odd years, I think. 
And he said, oh, it's easy, Stuart. John 15. Abide. It's it. It's it. It's the secret to the Christian walk. It's everything that I long for. It's about abiding. So that will be my life message. And I took that to, to heart because it was resonating very much with, with what God was putting, putting on my heart and mind as well. As abiding disciples of Jesus Christ, we desire to live fruitful lives that will give God God glory. And I wonder, I wonder this morning whether the Lord might be inviting you to say, yeah, I've got invitations to that banquet. I'm going to trust you every day, Jesus, for an invitation to hand out. Just in the foyer of the minute, the place is assured. But please use me. For your glory. Help me to be sensitive. Lead me by your spirit. Take me to the right people. But I want your heart. A banquet table that is filled. More glory. More glory. More glory. Or perhaps it's it's an area of your life that needs some, some pruning. Because, because this morning you're accepting that invitation. More fruit. Yes, more fruit, more fruit. Lord, I want a more fruitful life that will bring you glory. Or perhaps this morning it's deeper, deeper, deeper into you, more abiding, more abiding, more abiding. It's time to die. Let's Jesus, this is that sacred moment where we just need to allow you to speak. Your kingdom is growing. You are building your church, even in the West, even in our area, we're seeing it. But we're not content yet. We want to say more. 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 Please bring it. You want to see more and more people filling more and more churches of which we are one. And we have just got to say, let's make more room. We're thankful that this place is packed out. We're thankful that we're scooting up to make room. We're thankful for the attitude that says, and there always is. But Lord, would you give us a vision for more souls? We don't want to waste our time in the foyer. We want to live wholeheartedly for you. We want to, in whatever way, whatever it means for us, we want to accept that invitation to undergo your pruning and to, to dive in deep as an abiding people to experience more of you. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.